This month we started a series called Swisdom. Look at your neighbor and say Swisdom. Just because it's a made up fun word to say. That's no other reason than that this morning. But we've been talking about Swisdom and, and learning lessons and pursuing the wisdom of God that he has for us. It's valuable. That's why the dollar sign's on the front. I'll read a verse about that in a second. But as I was thinking about the wisdom that we've gained over the years, uh, I saw these pictures this week. How many of you can relate to this first one? It says, with age comes wisdom. I just don't see why wisdom has to have wrinkles and weigh 40 pounds. <laughs> Hopefully you acquired wisdom while you were getting the wrinkles in the 40 pounds, but uh, we, we all want to learn those lessons as, as well as we can over the years. Uh, here was another one. A little kid's asking the teacher, there's a quiz today, and the, the little kid says, with age comes wisdom, so I'd like to postpone the quiz until next week. Wouldn't that be awesome if we really could do that? There's life lessons that are coming our way, and we're like, God, could we put that life lesson off till I learn something first? Man, wouldn't that be awesome? And then uh, the last one I was saying, if you're worried about wisdom and you're worried about the age and the wrinkles, with age comes wisdom and discounts. <laughs> this was, uh, last year was, was a very difficult year for Pam because she actually got an AARP card in the mail. Don't tell her I talked about that this morning. I can say that because she's back with the kids this morning. Come on. You get those discounts and you line up for your dollar coffee at, at McDonald's. I don't know. Whatever, whatever that works, uh, maybe you find some benefits in the aging process and gaining wisdom. But we're learning the lessons that God gives us because God places great value on wisdom. He wants us to learn those lessons. He wants us to be examples and model that wisdom for others. And so that's what we've been talking about. And uh, we've read several verses that have the same thought or the same idea of the one I'm going to read to you now. Uh, Proverbs 3.14, this is part of why there's a dollar sign in Swisdom for this series. It says, wisdom is more profitable than silver and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches more valuable. Oh, where did I go? Riches and honor in her left hand. Wisdom really is more valuable than any investment you could make. Any, any place you could find your money, any stock you could invest in, any savings account, any money market, any CD. Wisdom produces a greater beneficial return in our lives than those things. And it says in the scripture, you can find this pattern that money and long life and fame are fruitless pursuits if you're pursuing those things just for the sake of those things. But when you pursue wisdom, you get wisdom and all of those things. And the picture in that verse, it says wisdom standing there with long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left hand. Doesn't that sound awesome? How many of you would like to receive those things? All right, at least 10 people in the room, you're after those things. And I, I saw that picture in Scripture of wisdom standing there, and sometimes I think we get hung up because we, we have this mentality of in the natural, there's only so many options and so many resources that you can get, and we think it's an either-or choice. We, we're sitting there like it's, hey, you can pick the right hand or the left hand, but you only get one. And that's not the picture of wisdom. The picture I see in that verse is wisdom standing there with her hands outstretched like an embrace. If you, if you embrace me, you get everything that's in the right hand and the left hand. You don't have to pick one or the other. Thank God for that, that he doesn't withhold something just because he wants to give us one thing. There's more. There's always more. So some of the things that we've been talking about this month, you may have heard them before. You may think, oh, I've read that verse, or I know that bit of wisdom. 
please bear with the rest of us that need to be reminded. I saw this, this quote this week, because how many times do you know something to do and we don't do it? Have you ever gone through a season of life like that? I know the right thing to do. I know how this should work. I know what should be happening, but I don't do it. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we need to be reminded. And this is what Samuel Johnson, an 18th century English writer, he said, people need to be reminded more often than they needed to be instructed. Even if we've read a verse a hundred times, even if we've heard something, there's fresh life in it every time we hear it because that's who Jesus is. That's how the word of God works. So I want to encourage you, as, we, as we're talking about some of these things today, even if you've heard them a hundred times, ask the Lord, what's new and fresh for me in this? Or, or at a very minimum, say, how can I help this person next to me? Because they really need that verse. That's always an option, too. But I think learning new things helps keep us sharp and improve ourselves, but there's so much that we've already learned that sometimes we just need to be reminded. That's why last week we talked about there's really wisdom to be found in coming together as God's family. That's part of why he puts us in the room together, because we remind each other of his goodness and the wisdom that he has and the things that we should be doing. So this week, today, I want to end this series by giving you some practical biblical wisdom for our lives. I'm going to read a bunch of verses from Proverbs today and talk about some of them. And and I couldn't help myself. I I will put one verse from the New Testament in there today. But I wanted to keep it in Proverbs as much as possible because there really is practical wisdom in the Bible for living. And and the areas that I wanted to look at today, uh, I'm, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on all of them. But I came up with four F's where we need wisdom in our lives. Finances, family, friends, and fitness. And those, those are areas that cover most of the stuff we deal with in our lives. Those, those are the areas that probably make you want to say the F word more than any other areas in your life. I was thinking of frustrated. What were you guys thinking of? Frust, frustrated is the F word I was thinking of. How, how many of you have ever come up against something in one of those areas that really made you throw up your hands and say, I'm so frustrated at how this is going? God, give us wisdom for these areas. And if you thought of other F words, you can repent and talk to us later. We'll have the ministry team deal with you. Um, Come on, long life, riches, and honor in each of those areas would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? If if I could look at my family and my friends and, and my finances and I could say, man, there's, there's wisdom there. There's wisdom producing the benefits of God in each of those areas in my life. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing to have? And to be able to share it and model it for others. Uh, An interesting feature, when we're talking about the wisdom books in the Bible, uh, people usually use that to refer to uh, Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes, when they talk about the wisdom scriptures. And an interesting feature of the wisdom books in the Bible is that most of them don't have any references to Abraham and the promises that were made to him, or to the law of Moses. And it doesn't say, if you keep the law, this will be a benefit to you. It, it just says, here are principles for life that work whether you believe in God or not. Yeah. Isn't that an interesting thing? That God loved us so much that he put stuff in his book that says, this will work whether you believe me or not. These are principles for living. And and for some of us, maybe this is a good opener to to talk to somebody about the Lord, to say, hey, let me just tell you some wisdom for life first. 
And, and please hear me. I want to clarify. I'm not undermining what Christ did on the cross and the benefits we have. There are very real promises that are eternal and supernatural that are unlocked in our lives when we believe. When we have faith in Jesus, we, we access a whole bunch of promises. But there really are things out there that God said, just do this and it'll work for you. So we're going to look at some of those today for each one of those, those areas. And the first one, I'm going to talk about finances for a little bit this morning uh, because I think Jesus talked about finances a lot. If you read through the Gospels, he messed with our money because we hold on so tightly and so dear to it. And how many of us would love if there was improvement? I won't, I won't quantify it. I won't say anything. But how many of you would feel some relief or you would love it if there was improvement in your financial situation? All right. For, for the record, almost everybody in the room was at least nodding at me. I, I haven't met anybody yet that said, Pastor Chris, my, my money's going too good. Can you help me destroy some of it or waste some of it? I, I just want to get rid of my money. I got too much. It's going too well. Nobody ever says that. We all want improvement in our finances. And there is wisdom in the scripture to access that. That's an amazing thought. Let's look at a couple verses. Proverbs 10.4. Here's the first one I picked. Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. Everybody say ouch. You you can amen at new life or you can ouch. Either one of those are options. But God really did put that in the Bible. It says lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. Come on. This doesn't mean, please hear this, this doesn't mean that all poor people are lazy. Come on. And it, the, the reverse of that, it doesn't mean that all rich people are hard workers. It just says there's a, there's a path to get there, and this is one of the ways you can get to either one of those areas quickly. Poor people may be poor just because of the circumstances they've found themselves in. But there are also lazy people that have ended up poor. This is more about an attitude of our heart and an attitude of our actions. Not what people are doing for a living. Not how much they have in the bank. It's about what's going on inside of us. And even though we're talking about money, you really could apply that to other situations. If I put no effort into my marriage, I'm poorer for it. Come on. The, one of the most important relationships in my life. If I just think, oh, I don't need to do anything about that. I'm going to experience poverty in that relationship. If I, on the other hand, if I choose, maybe I choose to improve my people skills and, and I want to learn how to be a better communicator or a better friend or a better leader, I'm richer for it. There's something about hard work that leads to riches in any area of our lives. But it really does apply to finances as well. And if we don't work hard, we might lose our job. If we work hard, we might get a raise or a promotion. This is, this is a biblical principle that you can apply, and it's true whether you believe it or not. And so that's, that's the first one up there. It says, lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. I'm, I'm talking to a bunch of hard workers in Jesus' name. Yes? yes. Amen. Uh, here's, I, want, I told you I was going to use one New Testament verse this morning, so here it is. This is the one I took in. Uh, Paul told the church in Thessalonica that if you had to work if you wanted to eat. He said, if you want to be a productive member, if you want to receive the benefits of society, you have to put in some work. And in 2 Thessalonians 3.11, Paul said, yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. 
please don't use this verse to argue with people about social programs or welfare. We're, we're here to help the poor. That's part of our call as the church. The larger issue is whether or not when we're hard workers, are we occupying our time with working hard or are we looking around at what other people are doing? I think inactivity causes us to focus on complaining and comparing and criticizing. Do you ever have a time like that? Or, or maybe you know somebody like that. When they don't have anything to do, all they concern themselves with is what's everybody else doing? And why aren't they doing this? Or why do they have more than me? Or let me tell you what's going wrong, why they shouldn't be doing it that way. That's what happens when we're not hard workers, when we're lazy. We've got time on our hands. Um, gosh, how many of you have ever heard the phrase, idle hands or the devil's workshop? Was, that was not really in the original Hebrew or Greek text anywhere. Uh, one of the translators of the Living Bible used that phrase in, in Proverbs. But there is a truth to it. Then when we're not busy, when we're not doing things, when we're not staying in our own lanes and working on ourselves, we spend too much time trying to work and fix everybody else and control things. Is that true? You guys, you guys with me this morning? At least nod at me and say, yes, that's true, Pastor Chris. Um, when I focus on what I'm supposed to do, it always gets better. I, I've had so many people come. <laughs> oh, I'll just I'll talk about me. If if something's not going well in a relationship, maybe maybe in my marriage, I'm thinking. This just as a hypothetical. Have you ever done this? God, please fix my wife. Anytime I've ever prayed that or asked that, or thought that. It doesn't go well for me. It doesn't get better. But the moment I say, Lord, help me. Help me learn something. Because right, right here is where I have control to do something about it. Scripture says the Holy Spirit's actively developing self-control in me. That's, this is the arena where I have the ability to make a change. And you know what's amazing? Every time I say, God, help me. Change me. Teach me something. Work on me. Whatever situation isn't going well, gets better. And that's what Paul's talking about in that verse. The people that are busy bodies instead of being busy. They're always worried about everybody else, but we need to work on us. Let's start to, to, to say, Lord, here's where I have control. Show me what I need to do. And I think there's just generally, let's be thankful for what we have instead of worrying about what we don't have and what's going on around us. So lazy people become poor. Hard workers is a path to wealth. Uh, Proverbs 13, 11 says this, wealth from get rich quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Everybody say that's not rocket science. Come on. I'm I'm reading some verses just because they are wisdom in Scripture and we can take hold of them. We may need to be reminded of them. Get rich quick schemes sound good, too good to be true because they usually are. There's there's no free lunches is is not in the Bible, but there is something to that. And buying a lottery ticket is not a heaven or hell issue. Okay? And in fact, I will gladly receive your tithe if you hit the Powerball. <laughs> but that kind of wealth disappears quickly, according to this verse. Wealth gained quickly disappears. In the U.S., the rate of declaring bankruptcy is substantially higher 
among people who have won the lottery than the general population. Think about that for a second. There's one study out there that said almost 70% of lottery winners file bankruptcy within three to five years of winning. There, there, was, there was another study that was more optimistic about it. It said only 33% of all lottery winners end up broke. Part of it, it's, it said they, the people that have won, they've studied them. They said only 37% of them invest their winnings in any way. The rest of them spend it on whatever's happening. Why, why does that happen? Why do people... I remember we lived, uh, we lived in Virginia for years, and there was a guy right over the line in West Virginia. He hit the Powerball. At, at the time, it was the biggest winnings that had ever happened. And he was in the newspaper because he made a big deal out of saying, oh, I'm going to help people. I gave this big check to my church and blah, blah, blah. And then the next thing you know, he's like arrested twice. And he's got suitcases of hundreds in his, in his pickup truck, and they arrest him at the strip club. <laughs> gave this big check to my church, got arrested at the strip club. Why does that happen to people that get instant wealth? Why does it disappear quickly? Well, I think it's because instant wealth bypasses the lessons and the hard work that teach us. Come on, there is something about doing it over time, of learning lessons, of finding out the the hard way sometimes. Oh, that was a bad decision to make with my money, but I've learned and I'm not going to do it again. And when we get instant wealth, what it says in Scripture, it quickly disappears because we don't learn any of those lessons. And as much as I would love for everyone in this room to not have to worry about money tomorrow, you walk out the door, something happens, a big bag of cash shows up in your trunk, as much as I would love that, it's not God's plan for us because he's more interested in us growing and learning. But that doesn't stop me from praying sometimes. Lord, you can trust me with that much money. God, I'm willing to take that risk for you. Whatever it is, all I know is Proverbs says, wealth gained from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. So I'm, I'm not trying necessarily to bash the lottery, and, and I'm not telling you you're going to hell if you bought a lottery ticket, but I'm just saying that there is a biblical principle for how to attain and keep wealth in Scripture. Uh, here's another thought on finances that's worth a quick mention. Uh, the last one I want to do on, pro- on finances, the, Proverbs 22.7 says, The man of wealth has rule over the poor, and he who gets into debt is a servant to the creditor. Debt is not your friend. Can I just say that this morning? There's a reason that banks give you a loan, and it's not because they love you so much and they're your friend and they want you to succeed in life. It is quiet in this place this morning. I didn't write all these. I'm just reading them to you. That's Yeah. <laughs> Please don't shoot the messenger. Yeah. The, the reason that a bank gives you a loan is because they want to make money. And that's why they're doing it. And, and when, when we go into debt, when we think debt is our friend, oh, one, one prominent Christian financial advisor, he talks about budgeting. And he talks about it by saying you should give every dollar that you earn a name every month. You, you may name it food. You may name it auto repairs. You may name it uh, the utility bills. You may name it something else. You may name it savings. 
Give it a name every month. And what debt does is debt lets somebody else name your money. I would love to say what's going to happen with this money I earned this month, but it's going out the door already. Somebody else has a claim on that. Jesus is supposed to be our Lord, right? Everybody should agree. If we're in the right place this morning, or a vast majority of you should agree, Jesus is supposed to be our Lord, but that verse says when we're in debt, that's who we're serving. Oh. And all I'm going to say is debt is not your friend. And whatever you need to do to get out of that hole, please don't feel embarrassed about it. There's a lot of people at the church. They know about budgeting. They have some wisdom in finances. They can help you make a plan. Come on. If you don't make a plan, you're never going to get out of debt. If you don't change some behaviors, you'll never get out of debt. There's something about being in a place to be humble enough to say, I need some help to fix this. I see the wisdom in Scripture. Help me apply it in my life. If you need to do that, do that this season. Make, make that a choice in 2023. Say, I am going to leave that guy, leave debt behind because he's not my friend. And I've, I've met too many people. Oh, well. I, th- I feel like God's asking me to do this, or I want to I go on this mission trip, or I want to give to this, but they don't have the money because they're in debt. That, to me, that's just a sobering or an even sad thought. God, what if I can't obey what you're asking me to do because I'm in debt to somebody else? All right, I'll get off that. Some of us are more excited to move on than others. It, it really does, it seems to be the opposite of what the world tells you, to save and to hoard all your money. But the key to unlocking the kingdom blessings in our lives and to seeing God move is generosity. That if we just give what we've been given, God takes care of us. And we don't have to worry about those things. This, this, this is the last verse on that thought. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, The generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. What an awesome thought. The, the, the kingdom of God is so upside down from what the world teaches that God actually says if you're generous to others and you give away what you've been given, you're going to get it poured back in your lap. So that's, that's finances. Everybody say, thank God we're off of that one now. <laughs> I'm, I've been walking with God a long time. I, I should know better. This is one of those things we need to be reminded I still don't make the right decision about money every single time. Come on. But there is wisdom in Scripture that says if you do this, there's long life and riches and honor in in wisdom's hands, and she'll embrace you. Uh, I put family and friends together. I want to talk about that as as being some of the F words that we're looking at, family and friends. Uh, God really does value family and relationships. He's building a family. Come on. That's what really we are as the church. We are his family, a a place where we can come and belong, and he moves and lives among us. And I think that's part of why the devil attacks families, because he hates the fact that God builds them and puts people in them. And there are real struggles when we're by ourselves. And that's, I want to look at Ecclesiastes for this verse. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Everybody say real trouble. Real trouble. I, I don't know what that looks like for you, but I've been in some seasons of life that I would call this is real trouble. And he says, if you're alone, if you don't have anybody to help you, 
that's an invitation to be in real trouble. And I think that's part of the, the focus or the, the emphasis on isolation the last few years, particularly during COVID. And everybody stay to yourselves and don't be around other people. Keep six feet away from me. The emphasis on isolation has gotten some people in some real trouble. How, how many of you know somebody that's suffered over the last couple years because they've been isolated and away from people? I, man, the list, the list is long. All I know is it's not good for man to be alone. That was, that was the, the first thing God made all this stuff in the garden in creation. Everything he's creating, the stars and the sky and, and the earth, and he says, oh, it's so good. And then he looked around at Adam and he said, this is not good to be alone. And God wants us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Think about when Jesus even sent the disciples out on a mission trip. He sent them out to heal and to cast out demons and raise the dead and do all this stuff. He sent them out two by two because it's not good to be alone. There's something about being connected together. But an issue is that good relationships are not automatic. Maybe you have ever had to work at a relationship. Anybody ever just like not put in any work and you just fell into the best relationship of your life and you don't ever have to think about it. Good relationships are not automatic. They take effort. They take work on our part. They take discernment. They take all the things that we need to put into it. Proverbs 17, 9 says this, whoever forgives an offense seeks love, but whoever keeps bringing up the issue separates the closest of friends. We are people who should be marked by forgiveness. We have received it and we should extend it to others around us. We even heard that during worship this morning. There's something, if you're in a place where you're not moving forward and you're stuck because you haven't forgiven somebody, take a risk, take a chance, believe God, forgive them, and see what happens in your life. We are people that should be marked by forgiveness. Part of forgiveness is not bringing things up again. This doesn't mean forget. This doesn't mean get walked on. This doesn't mean get taken advantage of because you don't know. It just means don't bring it up again in those relationships. As you've walked with God for any length of time, have you ever heard the voice that brings up your past and tries to remind you of all your failures and your sins and who you used to be? Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking. I'm not talking about hearing voices like you're, woo, I'm talking about, you know the voice that comes and tries to whisper into your ear, you're no good. Look at you, you did that. How could you ever show your face in a church? Come on, you big hypocrite. Come on, we hear that voice. Who is that? Right, out of all the responses, Satan, the devil, our own stinking thinking, whatever you could say in the room, the one answer you didn't hear is God. It was not God bringing that up again. Why is that? Because he's so thoroughly forgiven us that he doesn't even remember it. He says, I put it as far away from me as the east is from the west. I don't even think about those things when I see you anymore. I see you as a new creation. I love you. I have renewed you. I don't bring that stuff up again. And he's telling us in that verse, the same way we've received that forgiveness, we need to extend it to others. Human nature says, oh, you did that? Yeah, I forgive you. But I just happened to put it in my back pocket till I need to pull it out in an argument later. Nobody in this room does that. I'm talking about other people out there that fight dirty. 
But that verse says, the person who brings it up over and over again, all you're doing is destroying friendships. All you're doing is destroying those relationships that God wants us to have. And forgiveness strengthens relationships. I've, I've seen it in my life where the people that I have walked through the hardest times with, where we've made each other mad, we've, we've offended each other, we've made each other angry, when we've forgiven and we've chosen to work and put the effort into that relationship, it's stronger on the other side. There, there are some people who we've worked it out, we've forgiven each other, and that bond is more unbreakable than it ever was. And I think that's what we need to pull out of that verse in Proverbs. We should be people of forgiveness and not people that keep harping on the same thing over and over again. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times and is born as is a brother for adversity. Oh, there's, there's some versions that say your brother is born for trouble. And I think some people think, oh, that means my brother and I should get into a bunch of trouble. That's not what that verse is talking about. This verse is a great job description for being part of a family, a church, a group of friends, whoever it is. I think this is the job description for being a friend. I need to love people and help them through hard times. Come on. Does it get simpler than that? That is literally like a, a two-line-item job description. We, we have job descriptions at work that we think, ah, oh, i got to keep track of all that and do all those things. And here God's saying, you want to be a good friend? Two things. This is all you got to do. Love people and be there when they're going through hard times. God, I think maybe I could do that. And even then I need his help. Come on. The benefit to being a person like that is you find that you receive love and help in hard times. We, we get out of relationships what we put into it. And in that, mo- in that verse, it says, do it this way. A friend loves at all times. And even in adversity, he's there to help. This is the last scripture about family or friends. And I think it, it's advice that will maybe keep some of us from causing relationship problems. Uh, Proverbs twenty five seventeen says, don't visit your neighbor's house too often or you'll wear out your welcome. This doesn't mean don't build relationships with your neighbors, right? It just means be aware of the boundaries that people have and don't be overbearing. Come on, that's good advice for some of us. Don't take advantage of our neighbor's hospitality. You wear out your welcome. There's, there's other verses in Proverbs, amazing verses that talk about don't eat all your neighbor's food and, and be mindful of what they're saying and what you're saying. But don't wear out our welcome with people. There's a good balance to remember in there. So those are, some, those are just a few verses about family and friends. Uh, the last thing I want to end with today is, is talking about fitness, which is the shortest of my notes because I don't feel qualified to talk about fitness. <laughs> fitness for me is I put this shirt on and say, Pam, am I fitting in this? <laughs> oh, gosh. There's... We are most useful to God here on earth. Come on. Our, Paul talks about our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit. You carry the presence of God into people's lives that are living in dark places far from Jesus. And if, you're, if you die, we've missed opportunities to do that. 
if we die because we haven't taken care of ourselves or we haven't done some wisdom in our lives? Is that okay to say this morning? He, he really uses us and wants us here on earth, and he wants us to take care. We talked about valuing life in the womb. How about we value life outside of the womb and take care of it? Oh, amen, Pastor Chris. Preach it. <laughs> Proverbs seventeen twenty two says, A joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to both the body and the soul, but the one whose heart is crushed struggles with sickness and depression. There's something about, I, I know one of the buzzwords that you'll hear in life is self-care. How many of you have ever heard self-care? How many of you actually do self-care? We, like we, we literally take time to take care of ourselves and, and refresh ourselves and get our minds centered and take the weight and the anxiety off. Sometimes we need to just get before God and say, all right, I've got all this stuff on my to-do list, but I need to stop right here. I need to, I need to have a moment with you, Lord, because it's, it's starting to get overwhelming. There is fullness of joy in the presence of the Lord. And we know that joy of the Lord is our strength. Well, if if the joy of the Lord is our strength, why don't we spend more time in a place where there's fullness of joy and just take the opportunity, Lord, I need to be in your presence because it's going to strengthen me for what I need to do in this world. We need to put worship, we need to put time in the presence of Jesus in our schedule and our routine just like we would exercise. I'm... I promised I wasn't going to use another New Testament scripture. You can look it up later where Paul talks about uh, there's, there's more profit in godly things, but there is some benefit to physical exercise. Paul actually talks about it. He's like, it's more profitable to do godly stuff and grow yourself in those, but there is something about taking care of this body. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Proverbs twenty three twenty says, Don't drink too much wine and get drunk. Don't eat too much food and get fat. Drunks and gluttons will end up on skid row in a stupor and dressed in rags. I mentioned it earlier. Self-control really is a fruit, part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit that he's developing in us. And please, the, the church at large, we've, we've been guilty over the years of pointing the finger at a whole bunch of different sins and actions that people do that we think, oh, that's got to be the worst one, or they're doing this. And we're ignoring stuff that we're doing that's abusing the very life that God gave us. Pastor Chris, that's a good place to end, isn't it? (laughs) Man, I didn't mean for it to be such a heavy this morning. I'm just reading a couple verses from Proverbs to us. But there is wisdom that's found in his book that if we just apply it to our lives, we will see long life and riches and honor come our way. This, I'm going to give you one thought before I close. And this, this, this is the bonus portion for all of you. Uh, and I'm, I, I hesitated to share it because I really haven't thought fully of what it means or developed it, but the very first time that the word wisdom is used in the Bible is when Eve's looking at the fruit on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and it says she saw that it was desirable for gaining wisdom, so she took some and she ate it. And I thought, wait a second, this is the very thing that we've been talking about the last few weeks, that God's saying, pursue wisdom if it costs you everything, get it no matter what. The issue 
wasn't the pursuit of wisdom. It was obedience to God. The issue is not wanting to be wise. It's how we go about it. Do we do it in our own strength? Do we say, I can achieve this without your help, God? It wasn't necessarily about the fruit on that tree. Because in, in Proverbs, there's several verses that say, when you find wisdom, you found a tree of life. I think we can get wisdom from either tree. But there's only one that's going to produce eternal life in us. So here's where I want to end this series and this, this day today. The action item I have for us this week is pr- pick a practical proverb. I used, I used some alliteration this morning. We had some F's, we had some C's, and we have some P's. Pick a practical proverb. I don't know, maybe, maybe one of those areas we talked about, whether it's your friends, your family, or your finances, or your fitness, maybe there's one of those areas that you're like, oh, yeah, I really do need some help in that. Find a proverb that's going to help you and just start to do it. It's not rocket science. It really, they are biblical truths that work no matter who does them. Maybe you know Proverbs only has 31 chapters. Ooh. I feel feel like I should uh, be coming out to music now. (laughs) Proverbs has 31 chapters. Yeah, actually that reminds me. Why don't we have the the team come back up. If you can do that, that would be great. That was, that was my cue to remember to call the worship team back up. Um, Proverbs only has 31 chapters. If you started reading a chapter today, by next month, you'd have read the whole book of Proverbs. There really are some practical wisdom points in there that will help us with any aspect of life that you could be wrestling with. Let's go ahead and stand. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, help us. That's all I, that's, that's half the time that's what I pray, is, is I just get before God. I'm like, Jesus, please help me. That's, I don't, I don't, I need to be reminded. I know I've heard stuff before. I've learned lessons before. I've even learned hard lessons before that you forget. Come on, that's human nature. The, the Israelites walked through the Red Sea, and like six months later, they're making a golden calf. Like they forgot who God was and that he's a deliverer and a savior. If they did it, I don't think we're immune from it. And we need to be reminded that God really has wisdom for us, that he's good, that he loves us. And that the wisest thing that you could ever do is give your life to him. If, if you're in this room right now or you're watching me online and you've never done that, you've never surrendered and just said, Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. This is a great day to do that. This, it just is a matter of belief believing that Jesus Christ really is the Son of God, that He died for us and rose again. And in that moment of belief, it says we're saved. And we start a brand new life. We become a brand new person. If you need to do that today, please come see me before you go or see one of the people that will be up front here praying. Um, This is what I want to do to end. The the worship team is going to lead us in one more song. While they're playing, I know we've got some people positioned from the ministry team. I see Scott and Onda. You guys are awesome and, and sit back there. They're going to be over here to my left, your right, and sits back there in the back. Um, gosh. We, we talked about there being miracles available in this place. And, and as I was talking, I was just stirred that I, I really believe there are some people in this place this morning that you need a miracle in your finances. 
You need a miracle in your family. You need a miracle with a relationship that you have with a friend. Maybe you need a miracle in your body. I, I'm still, the jury's still out for me on whether or not you can pray for supernatural weight loss. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm not going to put God in a box. If your heart, if he, if he really wanted to do that, he can. But whatever you need a miracle for this morning, I just want you to just stop by the ministry team. Whether it's in the back corner or up here at the front, just say, I need a miracle. You don't even have to tell them what it is. They're just going to pray and bless you and release a miracle on your life. And then we're just going to start ourselves with an expectation. God, it's, it's not on me working it up. It's not on me producing it. God, you, you said that this morning that you wanted to release miracles in our lives. We're going to grab one and carry it out the door with us. Is that okay with you guys if we do that? So at any time while we're singing, please, you can go back, go up front. You can get them to just release and pray for you. And then uh, at the end of the song, Heather's going to dismiss us. But thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place this morning. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for the wisdom you gave us to help us to live this life. Wisdom that really is practical, that helps us in our everyday lives. God, help us to be ones that do the things that we know. Let us remember and let us be examples to the world around us of your goodness and your faithfulness. We just say we love you right now. Let's worship him. Thank you.